in building these simulations. We don't want to do it just as a company. We want to work with schools. We want to work with other industry partners where we're finding out what is going to be best for everyone and what is like an actually accessible, engaging and impactful experience. Welcome to the RH podcast. We talk about business, software and everything in between. Visit us at www.recursive.house where we build software for large and small businesses. Hi, Evan Sittler Bates. How are you doing today? At least I got some right today. Good, good. Doing well. How are you? How are you? I'm all right. You connected in this new year. Exciting year. Did you do any promises that you're absolutely sure you're going to keep? Any New Year's resolutions? Uh, one big one. I'm uh, building a bus. Um, so I'm uh, in the next uh, couple of months, I'm buying a short bus and converting it into a, a traveling podcast studio and VR demo space. And I'm going to go across North America to different schools with that bus. So uh, yeah, pretty big commitment, I guess. <laughs> That's a very, very cool project, I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> So how did you do the research for that? How did that start going forward? Like, I understand why you would do it, but why would you want to, there's easier ways than building the bus. Well, I'm buying a bus and then like converting it. But yeah, like research, I've been looking into it for a while just because I'm interested in traveling. And then kind of in looking into it, I was looking into like smaller vans and then talking to my business partner, we we're kind of like, well, if I got a bigger bus, I could have a full like VR demo space. And then I could, we could brand it and use it as kind of a sales tool for our business as well. Yeah, I just started watching a lot of YouTube videos, TikTok talks and uh yeah kind of have a plan now on how to deck out buses yeah okay yeah. i also both my or my mom and stepdad they renovated houses the whole time i was growing up so i got quite a bit of knowledge and, and help from them so have you ever thought of being in one of those like tv shows like rv renos and stuff like that that could be i cool. think you're renovating everything these days yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. And then you could just you'd be, you know, talk about advertising your business. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And you said you're going to use this to go from school to school and talk about VR. When do you when do you want to start this, by the way? Oh, whenever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you, I didn't know if you were just jumping straight in or. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I mean, when do you want to start? Uh, when do you want to start traveling? Oh, I mean, traveling. When, is, when is the end of this project? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. end of June, I want to head out. So um yeah, my birthday is in June. There's a big a tech conference in Toronto in June called Collision. So hoping hoping to go to that, um, but as well possibly have the the bus involved with Collision because uh, the incubator that we're a part of is a big sponsor of the conference. Um, so yeah, end of June, want to have it done. Hopefully go to Collision and then head out on the road, going probably West Canada up to the Yukon and then down the West coast as, as it starts getting cold. And you're, you're going to be going from school to school promoting VR, you said, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess to, to give some background, maybe, uh, uh, my company expert VR, we create virtual reality simulations for, uh, training purposes. So we work with, uh, all kinds of different school programs from police and firefighters to counseling to pharmaceuticals um, in training all kinds of different uh, things and skills that people need to do uh, in the real world. So we're giving them that hands-on learning. So being able to demo that as we go across Canada and North America. Okay, that's really cool. So one thing is I have it here on your website, XR. Could you talk a little bit about that, what XR is? Yeah, for sure. So like XR uh, stands for X extended reality. And basically, it's just the combination of virtual reality, mixed reality and augmented reality. It's just kind of put everything under one term. Um, so for anybody that's listening, that's not familiar, virtual reality is you're completely immersed in the virtual world, you're putting on a headset and all you can see is virtual. 
augmented reality or the way most people explain it is you can see something in front of you, but you can't necessarily interact with it. So let's say maybe Pokemon Go, you, you can kind of you can see the Pokemon there, but there's not much you can really do. You can't pick it up or do anything with it. Whereas then mixed reality is that next level where you can add that real world physics and interact with things. So XR is kind of the all three of those in one. How do you exactly do you make that possible? So if I'm on VR, yeah, so VR, it augments your reality or augments reality, augments your reality. So you see things, right? Mm. So then you also have to not only be able to like pro, you know, project reality in a pseudo 3D way, but you also have some way of sensing human action and then have your technology also react to that, right? So the way we have it right now is with, with glasses and the different versions and solutions to that. But then are you going to have that on those glasses as well? Is that a, an external unit that is going to actually sense human motion? Uh, no, so it's all, all built into the glasses depending on what type of things we're trying to sense. We might add other like gloves as accessories so we can track your hands better or there's like face tracking devices. But for example, this, this headset right beside me is the, the Quest Pro. Uh, by by Meta or Facebook, and it has eye tracking and face tracking built into it, as well as has controllers. And so you can uh, go into that headset, and you don't need any computer, you don't need anything. You just put on the headset, and now you're you're either in the fully virtual world, or you can click a button, and now you can see the real world, and you can layer that augmented world on top of it. So I, I want to move back a little bit mm -hmm. and talk about why you even got into this in the first place. It's very cool to get into virtual reality, but it probably wasn't always. At one point it was probably, yeah, this is something that may happen, but now it's all of a sudden become something that probably will happen. So could you talk about your journey moving into this? Like, how do you get into this space in the first place? Usually I say it was like six years ago when I got in, I guess to take even a step back from that, I was part of junior achievement going through high school. They're like an organization for entrepreneurs in, in high school and get together after high school right. and start a business and run it. And being part of that program, I got to tour Communitech it's uh, one of the bigger incubators here in Kitchener-Waterloo. And Google used to have their office right above Communitech. And Communitech's actually taken over that space now. But in the tour, I got to go to Google and I uh, got to see all of these startups that were in Communitech. And one of the startups was this cave where they had all these projectors in this cave. And you put on the special pair of glasses that tracked your head. And with the projectors, they could change the environment based off of your head motion and position. And that was kind of like my first foray into seeing virtual reality and that was like probably 14 15 years ago seeing virtual reality and being like oh this is this is really cool obviously it's super expensive like millions of dollars to have that set up but i remember talking to my dad and he was talking like oh what if you could have a full suit that tracks every part of your body fast forward 10 or so years from then 2016 i'm in my third year of university not really doing too much with my life in university or going to too many classes if i'm being honest and decided <laughs> i should probably get more involved and do something with uh, this experience or this opportunity I have. And so I got involved in a bunch of clubs. And one of those was uh, the incubator on campus, BioLink. And so walking in there, I met who is now my business partner, Drew McNeil. And he was the ambassador of BioLink for that year. And so I walked in, he gave me a tour and showed me the space. And in doing the tour, I was so ready to start this t-shirt company where I was going to make custom t-shirts and sell them. And then we get to the end of the tour and Drew's making custom t-shirts as his business out of the incubator. And I was like, well, I can't copy this guy. And so my second idea was to buy a 360 video camera uh, because I loved YouTube videos of Casey Neistat and Just for Louie and different people that were creating these 360 videos that showed the full world and you could look around and you could 
explore New York with Casey Neistat or the world uh, with these traveling YouTubers. And so buying that then led to buying a VR headset with Drew and convincing him to do that and needing to make money back. And in doing that, we were doing all these free demos. And eventually, this uh, our first mentor, not our mentor at the time, came up and was like, this is a really cool technology for gaming. She did um, leadership training. And she's like, how could this be used in like a training sense? And there was these like speech uh, training simulations in VR, as well as some like team building games. Um, one we play a lot is uh, keep talking and nobody explodes. And basically, you're, one person is in a headset and there's a bomb in front of them. And then everyone outside of the headset has the instructions on how to defuse the bomb. So we started going to these leadership sessions where that would kind of be the break for the day. And you'd have this like communicative leadership uh, testing simulation. You got into entrepreneurship and you saw something really cool, right? Which was the 360 experience. It was being promoted a little bit on some of the media channels that you uh, frequented, like Casey Neistat and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And looting into that, you said, hey, look, I want to get more involved. And one was printing T-shirts, which I think it was a good idea that uh, you didn't go in that direction. Because <laughs> I, uh, I think this uh, <laughs> this is, uh, this gives a little bit, it's a little harder, yes, but it gives a little bit more to the world. Yes. So you met someone in leadership conference and that person put a bomb in front of you and told you to keep speaking until, you know, you can defuse the bomb. So what did you learn there? So what happened there specifically and what did you learn there in that leadership conference? Because I think that put the, that closed the lid on what all the things you needed to actually move to the next step. Yeah. So actually I wasn't at the leadership conference, it was just going on at Brock University and we had been doing all of these like VR setups where we'll just set up in a random hallway and any student that walks by we're like hey jump into vr we want to show off this cool technology so and this is for your team that you were part of right uh yeah it was just me and drew and we were it was just like yeah just the two of us and we had just started this company and bought the headset kind of for fun and then we're like we need to start making money back on it and we're like how about we just start showing it to anybody that wants to listen and yeah so what made it a company if you just bought a headset you know, um, what, so we what were, was your mentality there? Yeah, so we were shooting 360 videos a little bit at the time. So uh, with our the 360 camera I bought, um, we were going out to Niagara Falls Tourism, Brock University, uh, all of the wineries, and we shot all kinds of different videos, uh, like marketing videos for them. That gave us a little bit of money. We still had to put in our own money to buy the VR headset and computer and everything. That's when we're like, well, maybe this is a different business avenue that we can look into and, and set up. And in doing so, we were just doing these free setups for students at Brock University and this leadership conference or, or a class was going on and Rashmi and Rick, they're our mentors now and they run a uh, Lake and Associates, a leadership consulting firm. And they were uh, contracted by Brock to do one of these classes and they walked out of the class and pure luck, we were set up right outside of the class and they came over just seeing all these students playing in VR and that's when they asked, how could this be used in a leadership or training sense? And we looked through all the games we had. This is how Will Smith got Fresh Prince, by the way. He was standing outside a recording studio or something and someone picked him up. So yeah, yeah. hopefully you have the same uh, first 20 years. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I was reading his <laughs> biography career. not too long ago. And yeah, yeah, it would be nice to have that kind right, of 20 right. years. <laughs> Your future mentors came in, saw what you were doing, picked you up, right? And then just continue from there. So what happened? Yeah, so then they thought the technology was cool, but they're like, 
this is this is just for gaming how could it be used for more than that in, in other industries or in other aspects and because they were doing leadership training we looked around at some of the things that were out there we, at that point we couldn't develop our own simulations but we were like well there there's some games out there that could apply to leadership so that's where the the keep talking and nobody explodes the bomb defusal game comes in we we found that game and we're like presented it to them and they're like this is perfect we can have one of our participants go in and then the rest of their team have to communicate with them and use their leadership skills and all the skills that they're teaching and all of the like communicative skills that they're teaching to defuse that bomb. So how does that, how does that game work and why does virtual reality assist in making that game work? In the game, there's a bomb in front of you and there's all these different like modules, kind of like there's, there's wires or there's um, Simon says, so it's like, blue, yellow, green, and uh, I don't know, whatever, four, four colored buttons. And so it will like do a pattern and you have to do the pattern back and things like that. Um, so yeah, just a fun game in that way. And then, so you see that in, in VR, but then because you're in the headset, only you can see the bomb and it immerses you in that space. So it gets kind of stressful. There's a timer going saying you only have five minutes until this bomb's going to explode. And then outside of the bomb, there's this manual and it's like a 24 page manual of all the different modules that could pop up, how to diffuse them. And so you're, you, you in the headset have to communicate what you're seeing. And then your team outside of the headset has to look through that manual and try and understand what you're saying so that they choose the right page and can give you the instructions on how to defuse the bomb and get out of there in five minutes. That's a really good sort of way of making that training really like mean something. And I think that's really cool. So you had that, you said you weren't able to make your simulations at that time, right? Yes. But that, that's what I got from you. I was, but was there something that happened that when they engaged with you, you started making simulations or this was an already existing simulation that you sort of brought in and were able to like just facilitate the use of when they engaged with you. Exactly. So we just started finding games like that or other third party apps that we could use. It put that thought in our brain or planted that seed that we needed to look at how could we develop these simulations um, so that we could scale our business, but as well just like provide custom uh, things that our clients needed. But Drew and I are both business majors and have no coding skills at all. So that wasn't possible back in 2016, 2017 when we were doing that. That gave you that nugget of teaching this is what I'm getting, where that you have that little experience of what it's like to leverage technology to educate. And then at that time, from what I'm understanding, you then needed to figure out a way to actually, you know, be creative in that space, create your own things, and then use that to, you know, to teach others or teach things that you're interested in teaching or allow others to be able to create things that allow them to teach things that they want to teach. So how did you make that journey? How did you make that leap? Yeah, so it was a bit of a journey. Uh, like I said, 2016 is when we first started a VR company. 2017 is when Expert VR was formed uh, as it is today. It wasn't until 2019 when we'd kind of saved up some money through doing all kinds of random gigs. Drew and I were both working either part-time or full-time during that time as well. And in 2019, I think it was our third or fourth time entering into the big pitch competition that Brock University does every year, Monster Pitch. Um, and it's kind of based off of Dragon Center or Shark Tank. And they actually bring in uh, Jim Treliving and Bruce Croxton. Usually Bruce Croxton was there when we when we pitched. And so we got in. It would, Like I said, we'd applied three or four times before that, made it to the semifinals or whatever. But we finally got in. 
we had some pretty tough competition, but in the end, uh, we won both the judge's choice and the audience choice. And that gave us the funding to hire a person for four months. That's all we have. We're like, okay, we're hiring you for four months and we have to build some great simulations. And if they're successful, we can keep you on. And if not, then we're done. <laughs> so, yeah. So what was your, what were your first simulations that you built? Yeah. So we, we started off kind of actually in the consumer behavior type space. We'd over those years, we were doing the training and leadership skills still, but we saw that there was a lot of interest in how we could track people's eyes and movements and uh, sometimes emotions as they go through a store or different environments. So we, we started doing all these research simulations where our first ones were creating a bank, one of the top five banks in Canada. We worked with them to design a new bank layout and what a new teller system may look like. And then we had people go through that and were able to track their eyes. So we knew where they were looking, what path did they take throughout there and just making sure that everything was set up to be optimal for that customer experience. And then kind of similarly, uh, our one of our next simulations in like the first couple was on the academic research side of things. So we built a future ocean life simulation where we could look at what made the ocean look like in 2050. And we could look at the utopian future and the dystopian future and then compare how that affected people's emotions. What were the parameters affecting the generation of those simulations, both in the positive and negative side, both dystopian and utopian for that particular piece? So we, we worked with a researcher at Brock University who has done a lot of research into what ocean life may look like in the future. And it was mainly around overfishing and pollution, like garbage pollution in the ocean and around what laws could change over the next 30 or so years to change what ocean life may look like. So in the dystopian future, you were allowed to fish as many fish as you wanted. And we had this huge fishing trawlers with big nets that went on for miles. And then in the utopian, we have and there's garbage in the water and everything in the dystopian. And then as well in the utopian, you're on a small fishing boat that's just kind of like a family owned thing and they're fishing what they need to survive and help their community. And the oceans are cleaned up because there's no garbage and everything and things along those lines. Were these mostly like presentations? So you would you basically immerse yourself in, in one world or the other? Exactly. Yeah. So we, we had it narrated and you put on the headset and you're you're looking around. There was a couple interactions, but mostly an experience that you're going through. I just thought of this, but it'd be great if we could uh, have it so you could rotate through the laws. So you see which law, if enacted first, would reduce the amount of pollution in the shortest amount of time. Right. So you could say, hey, we it'll be mostly clean if we get these three laws passed. And then the next seven will, will, will do the rest of the job for us. But we can get, get it mostly, you know, we could get it mostly done. In, in these three laws or something right, right. like that. That is interesting. I've actually, I've been talking with the researcher about extending that research. So I'll bring that up to her. That's, yeah, interesting point. Would, uh, was this all still in the first four months? Or was this, you got to stay alive that first four months, yeah, the, which must have been really stressful. How did that feel? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you kind of had no control because you weren't really the one doing the tech. So you're just like hovering over this person's <laughs> shoulder, encouraging them to keep your company afloat. Yeah, it was it was stressful and not. Like it was kind of, Drew and I had been in that position kind of for three years where we were working part-time jobs or full-time jobs. So we were kind of like, well, if it doesn't work out, like this guy's a, uh, he's still, it was Josh who is now our CTO. He was, he was still a student at the time or like he has something to fall back on. He's fine. Like he's, so we weren't too worried there. It was mainly just worried about like 
one, pleasing the client and making sure that we did have a good simulation kind of just to show off, even if it didn't like, even if we didn't make that much money or lock in another contract, it's like, as long as we have something to demo moving forward. So that was a big part. And then I think as well, Josh being our first employee and our office was our living room. So he's coming over and sitting in our living room uh, every morning. <laughs> so it was it just that was kind of nerve wracking having that first employee. Kudos to Josh for, for believing in you guys and, and uh, you know, coming over really. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no. And we last year we had our, we have a team retreat every winter and last year, 2021, uh, we fully acknowledged Josh as a co-founder. 2022 and, now. Uh, no. Yeah. So it was 2021 when we, that winter that we, uh, when we did it, but yeah. So yeah, fully acknowledged him as a co-founder. Okay, so you survived your first four months. It looks like you were able to secure a few more contracts. Congrats on that. Thank you. Right now, your company seems fully focused on education. I got a little pieces of sort of how that started with you with uh, some of the leadership and things like that. But then what ended up happening? What made you feel like, hey, this market really needs what I'm about to provide and can really accelerate the way that young people uh, engage with knowledge and, and are able to sort of retain it as well? I wish I could say it was like some idealistic, like we wanted to help, help the kids have better education. And that's definitely where we are right now. Like our, <laughs> our, our vision today is to make ed, or to collaboratively make education more accessible, engaging and impactful. And, and that's what our whole company is striving towards. But back when the kind of pivot happened, it was, it was COVID-19. Um, so we were doing these research studies and all of them had a headset set up at some lab, some location, and then people would come in, we'd have hundreds of participants go through these VR headsets and collect all of the data that we needed, whether we're doing academic research or consumer. And so we had a bunch of those lined up at the start of 2020, COVID-19 happened, and obviously you can't have people coming in sharing a headset. It was a stressful four or so months there where, including ourselves, we had five employees or six employees at the time, and some co-op students lined up for the summer, and we're didn't really know what we were going to do. And then all of these schools, like I would say around late April, early May started reaching out and they're like, Hey, all of our students are at home. We can't provide our co-op that we normally provide. We can't provide them with all of the labs that we normally have on campus. All they have is their, their computer and we can send out technology to them. And we're like, yeah, we have this VR headset that is completely wireless. You can mail it out to students and they can put the VR headset on at home and go into your lab environments, into a realistic environment, anything that you need them to, to train on. And uh, in setting that up, uh, that kind of pivoted our business and now opened our eyes to how VR could be used for education. So what are the new things you've picked up as you got to get deeper into that market in terms of how, what interests me most is like, how does exactly do students learn in this environment? How does it change? How does it, how does the engagement improve? Right, because there are simulations of already existing environments, and then there's some. If you're learning biology class, you're immersed in the Amazon. It's a whole different experience, and this whole different attachment to the knowledge. Right, then asking you, you know, drawing a cell becomes a different thing. There's a lot of things you can really do. Yeah, so, you can even jump. I'd love the to body hear the stories. Right, stand beside a cell. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mag school bust the whole thing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> to throw out some stats, I, I like to reference this study that was done by PwC. They compared students in a regular classroom to students in a virtual reality classroom. And the four main stats that they normally reference or that I normally reference as well is that it was four times faster for students to learn inside of the virtual environment. They were four times more focused. 
they were 275% more confident coming out of that experience, ready to enter the real world. And they had 3.75 times more emotional connection to the content that they were going through. And so I think the, the confidence that is very important across the board, but especially in anything where you're there, your safety could be at risk, whether you're be a firefighter, police officer, or in the trades. And then the emotional side of things is very important for any soft skills. Again, for police officers uh, dealing with de-escalating different sorts of situations, or even if you're just like a salesperson and you need to have conversations, being able to practice what types of customers may come in, what types of mental health you may be uh, dealing with as a police officer, all these different things, having that confidence and having that emotional connection is, is very important. I guess this is now learning in general. So you've clearly started branching out outside of just students and and you know, just generally teaching professionals how to engage in the real world in the maximally like sort of either efficient way or proper way. So has that has that journey started for you guys? We're still mostly in the school space and it's an area that I think we kind of wanna stay in for the most part because it's an area that I think a lot of a lot of companies, especially in VR today, kind of don't look at because it's a, it's a lot of work to to get trusted by a school and to get access to their budget to build simulations. We spend like sometimes up to it, some of these customers we have, it was like three years ago that we started conversations with them. And now we're starting to work with them today. Usually it's six months to a year, but um, sometimes up to three years. So, so it's very hard to lock that in versus an enterprise client. You can probably go and get a pilot and if it goes successful, it goes well. But I think a lot of us at Expert VR, including myself, didn't have the greatest education experience or, or saw where it could be improved. And so in building these simulations, we don't want to do it just as a company. We want to work with schools. We want to work with other industry partners where we're finding out what is going to be best for everyone and what is like an actually accessible, engaging and impactful experience for students. For me, like I just didn't enjoy school that much. But then when I look at somebody that may have some sort of disability or something that's even more prohibiting what they can do at school or they, they're not in a place where they can go to the, the best school or get the best educators in the world, or they're just not remembering what they're learning and it's not actually having an impact because they don't learn from reading. They need to actually do the actions to learn from it. All of those problems can be solved through virtual reality. Obviously, the accessibility part's a, a little more difficult with technology being expensive, but the way I like to look at it is when you go into university, you have to buy all these textbooks and they cost hundreds of dollars each. If we can get all of that content into a VR headset that costs $500, then that's no longer an issue of the accessibility of price. In my mind, there are two different things going on. There's the sort of like condensation of content into, into, a, like, into simulations in general for different kinds of problems. Uh, sorry, for different kinds of problems in the sense that there are different kinds of, you know, sort of ways of teaching and subjects to teach. So those are problems, turning those those uh, into simulations. So for the sure. problem of making them, uh, making history and experience is a problem. And then the second part of it is also reducing the cost of the actual headset. So how are you guys attacking both of those things? You know, and to what degree does your company have control over that? We're mostly on the software side of things. We have little control on the hardware. Obviously, those are the big companies like Facebook or Meta, uh, HTC, Pico, Vario. They're kind of the top four in the space. That said, we have we have connections with all of them. So we, we have regular conversations with all of them trying to... Mostly what we're trying to do is making partnerships in the education space. So instead of trying to like influence their technology, we trust that they're trying to build 
the best VR technology that they can. So we're more sitting down with them to be like, how can we bring five schools to you that each need 100 headsets? And then you can give them some sort of discount or how can we get some more educational pricing out there so that more students have access to this technology? And I think a lot of that comes from looking at how Apple really took off back in the day and getting into all the schools. And now, so you walk into any university and everyone's using MacBooks. That's on the hardware side. And then the software side, it's really just us building our simulations like we normally have, but then as well, looking at new avenues for partnership and for collaboration. We have our normal way of doing contracts where we go in, a school pays us, we build a simulation, they have the simulation they need and we're good to go. But what we're starting to look at now and we, we started doing with a couple schools is either a collaborative partnership or a co-op project. So in a, in a collaborative partnership, we're working one-on-one -on -one with that school. And once we build a simulation, they still own the rights to it, but then they license it to us so that we can sell it as a product. So now we go to the next school and the example that we're doing right now is we we built out a firefighting simulation or three firefighting simulations with Conestoga College and they've licensed it to us so we can go to other fire departments or, or go to fire departments and sell it to them. And so now they're making some revenue back on that and probably paying for the next simulation that we're going to build for them. And we now have a product that we can sell. And then the second aspect of what we're looking at on the collaborative partnership side of things is co-op projects where something I think we've seen done in some industries, but haven't really seen done in, in the education industry because lots of educators are siloed and don't like to work together uh, particularly, or schools don't like to work together particularly. And so we're trying to build this co-op project where we go to five different schools or whatever number of schools, but we're looking at five, go to five schools that all need the same simulation. So let's say it's equity, diversity, and inclusion training is something that's been uh, popular and what we've been developing lately. We go to these schools, they all need that training. Why would we build that five different times when we could all come together and they each put in $10,000 and we put in $50,000 as expert VR? Now we have a pool of $100,000. We can build a great simulation at cost. Now they have unlimited licenses because they funded that project. And now we have a product that we can go out and sell to other schools. And it's like a win-win-win across the board. And so we're starting to look into those types of ways that we can influence uh, the software side even more. Part of what I'm hearing is you're still able to basically touch a lot of different sectors just because you're in education, right? Exactly. So still to firefighting, police. It's just, you know, where exactly you're you're actually giving the education that allows you to touch that if you're doing a college or university, on and on and on. And then you just do these partnerships and make that really like really possible for you. Exactly. Yeah, we've we've built out these tools in house where it's it's very easy for us to create all kinds of different scenarios in, in different industries. We kind of just have to change the art. And that leads us all the way back to you know, getting a bus and going around the uh, around Canada yes. <laughs> and going from school to school on your magic school bus. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> reaching out and okay, and that's and that's the reason why you're doing this. That's really cool. Okay, so where are you gonna go first? I said so you gotta get you gotta tell them because if they listen to this podcast and you go to them first, they'll they'll be waiting for you. For sure, for sure. Well, so we're actually looking at launching this this marketing campaign where we kind of want to make it almost like a a music tour, like a North America tour kind of thing where we have like, here's the the dates that we're going to be coming to these locations. But we want to get the community and, and those online more involved. Like I said, the, the basic path, and I, I know there's some things I want to see along the way. So I'm going to start planning the, the route a little bit more is starting in Toronto at Collision 
and then heading out to to the west coast up to the yukon and then down the west coast and then i'll see where i go through the states from there are there any schools you're talking to right now that you might be able to go to first or you're still building that out building that pathway out yeah there, there's a lot of or a couple of schools and a lot of uh, fire departments that we're talking to out in bc our, our new salesperson that came on about a month ago is out in bc so he's been making a lot of connections out there there's a couple of really cool vr or schools that are using VR uh, in Alberta. So definitely want to stop into those as well. But we kind of want to use the community to be like, vote for your school or like, uh, we haven't set it up completely yet, but over the next couple of months, we'll have this marketing campaign going where people can go on and get us to come to their school and it kind of get people more involved, have some rewards for people that are ambassadors to get us to come to the school and things along those lines. So make it a little bit community driven, basically. Exactly. So I, I'd love to talk about the industry in general, VR. Mm -hmm. We've had, um, you know, obviously Lucky and, and, you know, his company got bought out. The man who, if it, for the audience, the, the guy who uh, created Oculus Rift, his company got bought out for a billion dollars and, and Meta is trying to push that narrative forward. And uh, obviously with Meta trying to really double down and making uh, this technology something that uh, is the new interface for for information in general and, and pushing that initiative forward. And, and they've taken their, their flag for it and things of that nature. And I'm sure you're sort of, you're definitely going to be pro VR, but could you like just tell the audience sort of where you see this going and so create a vision for the future about where, what this technology can do since you're very much hands on the ground, whether the, the market makes a decision in this direction or not, if they do make a decision, what is kind of the world going to look like? Because you've, you've really seen like what others haven't seen, which is sort of how unique interactions with this technology, right? Like the idea that there's higher levels of retention for, for students when, you know, their sensory, the sensory input is larger for them makes a lot of sense. And, you know, like anybody else, when you completely immerse yourself in something, you feel it in every input a human can have. But what are the, some of the other things you've seen and some of the other places where you're like, oh, I didn't even know that we could, we could squash the time down for this to such a, a low amount because we have so much input for this person, they very quickly able to absorb something. Or, you know, just talk a little bit about that and like sort of where you see the future going. Yeah, I guess to start on like some of those examples, like squashing time down and things along those lines that are possible and happening today. So they're only going to get better into the future. I think a great example is Vario is the leading headset for anybody in like the enterprise space. It costs $6,000 for the headset. So it's not a consumer ready one. But with that headset, Vario partnered with the EU some way uh, to get their headset and a simulation that goes in their headset license that you can get your full helicopter license in virtual reality so in in europe you can put on a vr headset it, it, you have to have this like special device where you can like have some of the controls and everything but you go to this place and you you never leave the ground and you can get your full helicopter license inside of this headset so wow like look and that's happening today that's happening today it's, it's full it was like a year year and a half ago when that got licensed so it's it's out there and you can do it today and it's to think of in the education space, that amazes me where somebody could have this VR headset at home and they've always dreamed about being a helicopter pilot or they've always dreamed about X, Y, or Z career path and they've never had the, the money to, to go and do it or the time to go and do it. And now it's like, hey, I have a VR headset at home. Every day I can get that maybe hour in or half an hour in, whatever you can spare. And over a year, over a few years, however long it takes you, you can get your full helicopter license or whatever it is at home. And then you're ready to go and, and apply for a job. And so being able to like 
have those skills available in the home, I think is is really interesting for where the future may go for people wanting to switch careers or just pick up a new skill. Because um, it could even be something as small as, oh, I my engine broke down and I don't have money to, to go to a mechanic. And it's like, all right, put on the headset and we're going to walk you through the steps of fixing your engine. Uh, that one might be a little more complicated, but um, is a possible example. So yeah, that that's where like I'm really cool use cases of how VR is being used today. Where I see it heading, and it's going to be interesting over the next year or so, um, CES is going on right now in Las Vegas, and a bunch of new headsets were released. And Apple, there's been a lot of leaks, and I don't like to talk about it too much because there's kind of leaks every year, but it, it looks like they're getting closer and closer to releasing their headset. And one of the main specs there and the, the mock-ups that you can see online are like pretty close to a pair of glasses. Right beside me, I have uh, HTC's headset. Like This is just a pair of glasses, and their latest one that they released, you can take off these arms and put a put a battery pack on the back so it's more powerful. Looking at Apple and releasing their headset and knowing that they want to have something that is ready for consumers and is going to impress people, it's going to be a pair of glasses that you put on, you're in in a, the real world and you can see the real world through the glasses, then you can turn on your augmented mode and now you can be standing in front of your car and the augmented road is or mode is walking you through how to work on your engine. And then... You, you don't want to make a mistake, so you click another button, and now you're in a fully virtual world with a virtual engine, and you can practice the steps you need to do three or four times until you're confident. You switch that off. Now you're back in the real world with the augmented directions, and then you're done with that. You switch it off. You're just wearing regular glasses. How fast have you seen these uh, the size of these this technology going down? So with microchips, it was you know like 18 months. How fast have you seen like the size of VR headsets sort of be getting reduced, right? Because that I think that would be that's really interesting okay. to to think about. So we can plan, say we could say five years from now, you're gonna be wearing contacts that can give you virtual reality. That's a bit too much. But there is a company, Mojo Vision, that has developed contacts. They they do work. Obviously they're kind of there's only that one work? Yeah, there's only one set in the world and it's like very R and D prototype right now, but they're out there and like the people are trying them on. No, it's happening. So yeah, right. it's coming. If you can do fusion, you can do VR. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. No size of VR is being insane. Like I think it, it can kind of be hard for people to see because the headsets might look pretty similar. Uh, I wish I had an older headset right beside me so I could show like the comparison, but they're pretty similar size. Like it's coming down. This HTC Flow, this one can only really play three sixty videos or basic experiences. So I'm very curious to see the the new headset what that will be able to provide but the the real size decrease um that people don't see is on the back end so like this headset the oculus quest pro the meta's newest headset you can take it anywhere it's completely wireless all all they need well technically i don't need these controllers because it has hand tracking but if you want better tracking you bring the controllers so that's all you need to carry that around you're good to go and you can set that up in a park you could set that up at your friend's house you're good to go whereas beforehand when we got in in 2016 and really up until the first standalone headset from oculus came out a few years ago you needed a huge computer i'm looking at the huge one beside me you needed these base stations which were basically two cameras that you had to screw into your wall into corners of the wall or put up on light stands and those needed to be plugged in the headset needed to be plugged into the computer so you had this wire that was attached to your head when you were interacting with things and that was 
that came out in 2016 and now it was right. 2019 i believe or 2020 when the right. yeah, 2019 when the wireless version of the standalone headset came out so that was three years only three years of progression we took out all of that extra stuff that we needed so well thank you so much for for coming on and sharing all this information with us i mean i'm really looking forward to to seeing how this goes and how your company goes and uh and obviously enjoy the road trip and, and all the things that you're doing so uh where can he find you so where's your people wanted to reach out or anything like that where would they be able to reach out to you yeah linkedin is probably where I'm, I'm most active. Um, so just Evan Sittler Bates on LinkedIn and you'll see a picture of me. And if you don't remember the name for sure, it's talking about VR and Web3 and everything in my bio. So uh, you'll see that. Other than that, if you check out our website, expertvr.ca or .com, um, you can check out all these case studies that I'm talking about, all these blogs we're releasing every week and all kinds of knowledge about VR and AR and the industry in general. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, joining the RH podcast and have a great day. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on and maybe I'll have to have you on the, the bus uh, when, when it gets uh, ready. <laughs> I'm going, I'm coming on the bus whether you like it or not. Love it, love it. <laughs> I want to see that. Awesome. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Welcome to the RH podcast. We talk about business, software, and everything in between. Visit us at www.recursive.house, where we build software for large and small businesses.